0: All right, Father, we love you, Lord. Thank you for your Word. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to just examine it together. God, uh, Lord, it's so it's so rich that you're willing to give us your mind. So, Father, we thank you for the mind, the Word of Christ, the mind of Christ. We thank you for the Lord Jesus for His willingness to be our sacrifice for sin. Uh, I, I, I dread to think of where I would be in life without Jesus. and Lord, I thank you for the gospel. I thank you for the, I thank you for the work of reconciliation that Christ did at Calvary. And, and Lord, I pray that, that what's true of us as believers, Lord, that, that, that the relationship that we have with you would come out of our lives. And so, Lord, uh, help us to know you tonight. Help us to hear what your word says and then Lord we want to receive it we want to live in light of it and so we ask this in Christ's name and for your glory amen okay we are continuing to contrast look at the differences between the righteous and the wicked and and so we're going to pick it up in verse 20 and this brings us to our fourth section in this chapter we're going to see the companions that the righteous and wicked keep Verse 20 says, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. And so this is such a big deal. This is such a big theme. This keeps coming up. We've looked at this concept before. So again, the, 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 the way to look at verse 20 is birds of a feather flock together. So be careful who you flock with. If you flock with the wrong people, you'll end up crashing with them. And uh, I'll just give you this is just a smattering of the verses that communicate this principle uh, throughout Proverbs. So you've got those cross references in your notes. Okay, so here's the key you want to walk with wise men. Why? Uh, Because people walk and talk. Uh, You want to walk with the wise because that's how you're going to glean, that's how you're going to learn wisdom. Flock with the wise. So that's what Solomon is doing with his son here in the book of Proverbs. He was walking with his son. The question was, is, is the son listening? Or was he instead of a, a companion with fools? And we've, we've, we've talked about this example, this cross reference from 1 Kings chapter 12 before, but let's just be reminded, okay? Anytime a, a person decides that they're going to walk with, take counsel with foolish people, you're in danger of following following in a way that leads to destruction. In 1 Kings chapter 12, Rehoboam, he comes into power, and so the congregation of Israel comes and says to Rehoboam, listen to this, verse four, your father, right? Verse four, thy father, uh, he taxed a lot. (laughs) Uh, He made our yoke grievous. Now therefore make thou Now therefore, make thou the grievous service of thy father, and his heavy yoke which he put upon us lighter. Just ease up a little bit, and we will serve thee. And he, Solomon's son, Rehoboam, the new king, and he said unto them, Depart for three days, and then come again unto me. And the people departed, and King Rehoboam consulted with the old men that stood before Solomon, his father, while he yet lived. And Solomon was, what was the thing about him that was the biggest and the most in all the history of mankind? He was the wisest, right? And so these old men have been standing before King Solomon all their life. Do you think they probably, they probably picked up a thing or two over the years, didn't they? Uh, these old guys, these old casiers know a thing or 50. So Rehoboam's consulting with them. <coughs> Here's their answer. If thou wilt be a servant unto his people, this day and will serve them and answer them and speak good words to them. They will be thy servants forever. But he forsook the counsel of the old men which they had given him and consulted with the young men that were growing up with him. And uh, does a young man have as much wisdom as an old man? Now there's a lot of young men who are convinced that they have more wisdom than anybody they know. That's because they don't have a lot of wisdom yet. (laughs) They don't know what they don't know. And so, you know, you crash and burn a few times, you, you crash and burn enough, you start figuring out, uh, you, you know, you, you start learning a few things. Okay, so, so now he's listening to the young guys. And uh, what counsel do they give? Uh, he said to them, what counsel give ye that we may answer this people who have spoken unto me, saying, make the yoke which my Father did put upon us lighter? And the young men that were grown up with him spake unto, them, spake unto him, saying, thus shalt thou speak unto the people, this people that spake unto thee, saying, Thy father made our yoke heavy, but make thou it lighter unto us, thus thou shalt say unto them, my little finger is thicker than my father's loins. <sighs> now whereas my father did lay you with a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips. I will chastise you with scorpions. So Jeroboam and all the people have a meeting on the third day just like the king set up. And, and, uh, and so verse 13 says, and the king answered the people roughly, and forsook the old men's counsel that they gave him and spake unto them, spake to them after the counsel of the young men and uh, threatens them with scorpions and a heavy yoke. Wherefore the king hearkened, uh, the king hearkened not unto the people. Uh, What's happening is, is God is going to split his kingdom. Uh, the, The unified kingdom is coming to destruction. Why? Because Rehoboam, he didn't walk with the wisdom of wise men. So, it, it you know, this is the choice that all of us have to make. Uh, life is going to bring you conundrums like this, and which way should you go? What direction should you take? I mean, how should you respond? It may be an opportunity. It may be a threat. Uh, it may be some perspective union, or it could be some potential conflict. Uh, you want to talk to a graybeard, and, um, you know, most of the most of our older sisters, they, 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 they pluck them, their, their gray beard. Oh, did I say that? I didn't. That was wrong. I was, forgive me. That was bad. Uh, but you'll see it shimmering in their hair. Okay, so. I just offended. Ever, forgive me. Okay. You pluckers know who you are. Okay, never mind. Okay, verse 21. Verse 21. Everybody gets a stray hair here or there. I got them growing out of my ears. I don't know what happened. But I got, I got, I got uh, like bristle brush hairs coming out of my ears now. And if I cultivated my nose, I mean, if I just let it go, I could really thicken up my mustache. Okay, verse 21. Let's get back to work. Evil pursueth sinners. Isn't that, man. Evil pursueth sinners. I don't have to honor God. I don't have to submit myself to him. Evil's coming for me. Evil pursueth sinners, but to the righteous good shall be repaid. Okay, so as is our custom, we'll look at the back end of the verse. Uh, We do that a lot in Proverbs. Here's what we want to get in verse 21. We want to get Galatians 6. Okay, you want to get the law of sowing and reaping. Understand the law of sowing and reaping. Galatians 6, 7 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. A lot of people stop right there. I think we need to keep going. Verse 10 says, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto, yeah, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Okay, so, so don't be deceived. What you sow, that's what you're gonna reap. And so if you're pursuing sin, evil's gonna chase you down. If you're pursuing good, uh, you're gonna get the blessing of that. How are we gonna be blessed? How, the, to the righteous good, but to the righteous good shall be repaid. Okay, how does, that, how does that play out in their life? Well, in the law of sowing and reaping, you know, there's counsel. In verse nine, sow to the spirit. Don't be weary in well-doing. Keep, keep doing what's right and you'll get the blessing of that. And then verse 10 continues this counsel. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good, there it is, unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So the key to understanding the second half of verse 21 in terms of how the righteous are repaid. Look at that, but unto the righteous good shall be repaid. Repaid for what? Well, out of the righteous life came some activity that deserved some blessing, do you see that? Just like in the center, there was activity that caused evil to consume them. How the righteous are repaid. Well, you're doing good to all, see, it's it's a big deal to be a part of a local church body. It's a big deal to be able to invest in the household of faith, because now you're fitly joined, and the investment that you make in your brothers and sisters, where you're encouraging them, you're, you're part of what's edifying them in their faith, you're going to enjoy the blessing of that. Another way to look at it is the judgment seat of Christ. If, you're, if you are doing the right things that God calls his children to, you're investing the word of God into the souls of men, you're gonna have people at the judgment seat that you can point to and say, you're my crown of rejoicing. You're my joy in the Lord on this day. The, 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 the righteous good shall be repaid. Man, that's just an amazing thing. God pays blessing on his people. Luke 6, verse 38 says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet, here it is, withal shall it be measured to you again. What you invest, I mean, you, you, if you work in a garden and you work your tail off, getting that corn in those rows, guess what you're gonna be doing a few months later? You're gonna be eating corn on the cob. And that is, I mean, when you're in the tall corn, you are blessed. That is a good thing, okay? Now, evil, okay? Evil chases the sinner. Why? Why does evil chase the sinner? Well, we just saw that for the good, right, for the righteous, good is repaid to them. Whatever went out of their life, the law of sowing and reaping says something good has to come back. So again, it's a couplet. There's a comparison and a contrast to be made here. Something's happening in the sinner's life and evil's coming for him. Why? Well, because perpetrators be perpetrating. We said this, I think, last time. And uh, when, people be, when people get perpetrated on, uh, they tend to want to get even, right? People go after justice. And so, just like good follows the righteous, in Psalms 23, 6, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Just like good follows the righteous, evil follows the sinner. We've looked at the example of Cain in Proverbs already, and this was the warning to Cain in Genesis 4:7. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? Won't good be repaid to you? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Um, Genesis 42, Joseph and his brothers. Joseph, you know, he, he, he declared what God was doing in his life. His brothers were offended by it, and, and uh, they treated him badly. They wanted to kill him, and they decided to sell him. They sold their brother into slavery, and what goes around comes around. Perpetrator perpetrates, and, and then evil comes for him, and, and uh, man, what they, they sow, they begin to reap. In Genesis 42, they, Joseph has them pinned down. The famine has them in a place where they have to go to Egypt. They don't know they're buying food from Joseph. They don't recognize him. He recognizes them, and he traps them. And they're gonna be, you know, basically one of the brethren has to be bound in the prison house. You take the goods to your family, take the corn to your family. Um, You bring back little brother, like you said, and, and then I'll know you're not lying. Verse 21, Genesis 42, verse 21. And they said one to another, we are verily guilty concerning our brother in that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us and we would not hear. Therefore is this distress come upon us. And Reuben answered them saying, spake I not unto you saying, do not sin against the child and you would not hear. Therefore behold also his blood is required. This cat run in Egypt is gonna destroy us and we gotta come evil pursueth the sinner. What goes around comes around, round and round. Never mind. Psalms 140, verse 11. Evil shall haunt the violent man to overthrow him. Man, that's, I want to do good. I don't want evil coming for me, amen? Uh, Turn to your evil, turn to to your evil. (laughs) Turn to your neighbor and tell him, don't be perpetrating, right? Turn to your evil neighbor. <laughs> I'm really tongue-tied tonight. Okay, come back. Verse 22. First I insulted the gray hairs, and now everybody. It's not my night. Okay, verse 22. This brings us to point number five concerning the righteous and the, and the wicked, let's talk about the provision that they make here in verse 22, we see the inheritance that they leave. And verse 22 says, a good man leaveth inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Uh, these are big, big verses. Okay, so let's talk about the good man leaving an inheritance. You know, Proverbs 19:14 says, houses and riches are the inheritance of fathers. So there would be a comparison verse. Grandfathers leave an inheritance to their children's children. So notice the timing. The word there is leaveth. Uh, it doesn't say giveth. Do you see the difference? A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. So you leave it when you're gone. Don't be the granddad. Don't be the grandma. Right? Don't be the grandparent that's always giving money. You, you, okay, so I get it. There's two sets of grandparents, and you want to be the favorite set of grandparents in the lives of your grandchildren. You're making a mistake if you're buying them with gifts and cash. Do you understand that? Build the relationship. That's what grandparent years are for. It's not to give those grand... You're not buying the love of your grandchildren. Some of you, you're so young. You're like, what are you talking about? Keep breathing. You'll get there. And that little, that little anchor biter shows up at your house and you're like, oh, they're perfect. Mine, you're all mine. And, you'll tr- and what you'll try to do is you'll try to be the best grandma or grandpa and you're gonna do it with gifts and cash and you are destroying that child. What they need is your heart. What they need is time with you. They need the relationship. Give them yourself while you're alive, and then the wisdom of Scripture is you leave them the gold when you're gone. You see the difference? I mean, that's, I mean, that's a mic drop right there, okay? Grandma's awesome, Grandpa's awesome, look, it's cash. It makes the funeral a little easier. Okay, so, <laughs> while you're living, focus on the relationship. When you're gone, then, then a little gold, okay? That's, leave it when you're gone. Does this make sense? Don't, don't do that, don't do that to your family. Never try to buy the love of your family, don't do that. I mean, yeah, there's nothing wrong with presents and a little cash at birthday, that kind of thing, but, but you're, help the kid understand, these are just tokens of your affection, not, not the purchase of their devotion, okay? Uh, give them your heart, uh, invest, be wise, teach them wisdom, that's what they need. Here's, here's your warning verse, if, you, if you're not taking me serious. I want you to see what the Bible says. In Proverbs 20, verse 21, it says an inheritance gotten hastily at the beginning. An inheritance may be gotten hastily in the beginning, but the end thereof shall not be blessed. Too much cash up front doesn't do a young person any good. Luke 15, you got an example of someone getting a hasty inheritance, and he lost it all, almost destroyed his life. He's getting ready to eat with pigs. He's so down. He's getting ready to eat with pigs. Comes to himself and he said, "How many hired servants of my father's house have bread enough to spare? I, I got to go get a job in my family business just to survive." He should have been focusing on the relationship, not the resources. Does that make sense? Yeah. I want my inheritance now, so you get it hastily. The end thereof shall not be blessed. Proverbs twenty twenty one. But you want to leave. Okay, you, and this is just as important as the inheritance. You want to leave a good heritage. Heritage is your next blank. You want to be a part of the pack that's training up your children in the way that they should go. Colossians three twenty four says that we receive the reward of the inheritance. Why? For we serve the Lord Christ. That's how we want to bring up our kids. First Peter chapter one says that we have an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. That's what we wanna make sure that our family gets, amen? We want them to have eternal blessing. Uh, Revelation 21, seven, he that overcometh shall inherit all things. That's what I want for my family, not a chunk of cash that lets them just go out and buy a car or something whenever I die. (laughs) Now I wanna do that, I wanna leave some cash for my family, but, but I want them to know the Lord. I want him to have a good relationship with him and a life of service, a life in his service. Okay, loss. Okay, a good man leaves inheritance, but the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. So this is a whole other message in and of itself. I give you some examples uh, and cross references there, but but you know, think about the story of Jacob working for Laban. Laban's trying to rip off Jacob, and what happens? The wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. And so Jacob ends up with his, father's, his father-in-law's herds. Uh, you see the same thing with Egypt and Israel. Egypt's perpetrating on Israel, puts Israel in the bondage of slavery and is trying to, to, to keep them at a place of poverty and they end up with the riches of Egypt when they go out. Why? Because the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. And you see that again in, in, in the promised land, the, the wealth of Canaan, the Canaan land, went to Jacob so that principle the wealth of the center is laid up for the just if you're if you're serving the Lord Jesus Christ man you may be wearing a $10 Timex watch and driving a hoopty but look around I mean all that all that wealth all that money they're just laying it up for the righteous Uh, you're going to rule and reign with Christ We don't want to be short-sighted. If I'm, if I'm gonna cut short my service to the Lord, because I think there's some nugget that this world has that I have to have, so I'm gonna go after that, and I'm not gonna be all about being a part of a company of believers that are winning souls, making disciples, training and equipping leaders so that the work can multiply according to the Creator's command, by the way. I don't have time for that because, you know, I gotta make hay while the sun's shining. Mama didn't raise no fool, I gotta get that cash while I can, mm. Work hard, okay? Do well in your work, but if that's getting in the way of your service to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, you have not thought it through. The wealth of the sinner, it's just being laid up for the just. Okay, they provide sustenance. How do the wicked and the righteous sustain? Verse 23, much food is in the tillage of the poor, but there is that that is destroyed for want of judgment. Tillage can be like land that was previously worked, it was previously cultivated, but now it hasn't been seeded for a season or two. Uh, or it could be a failed harvest. And so one aspect here, much food is in the tillage of the poor, is even though the field isn't producing properly, uh, the poor can work hard and get it. They'll at least survive on a, on a, on a land that is, that is basically tillage. Uh, but another way to look at it is, yeah, there may be loss over error. You know, much food is in the tillage of the poor, but there is that is destroyed for want of Judgment. So they didn't work the land properly, and now there's not enough to eat, because what should have been a ready supply, because the, 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 the fundamentals of farming weren't followed, you know, or it wasn't guarded, it wasn't tended properly. There was a great deal of loss. So there can be a loss over error. What could have been a great harvest is now Loss over failure. So here's a couple cross-references. Just think about this. Whatever you're doing, do it right. Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. Uh, it's, if it's worth doing, do it right. Colossians 3.23, "And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. So, whatever you're working at, if this is provision for your family, use good judgment, do it right. Even if you've got a bad job, uh, you can still still survive on a bad job. Is this making sense? There's much food in the tillage of the poor. What about correction? Okay, I was trying to go quickly because we may not finish verse 25. We'll see or I can give you the blanks and you can study 25 out on your own, but this is a touchy verse, and so we want to Just drill right down. Verse 24, what about correction? The wicked and the righteous, how do they correct their children? Verse 24, he that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. Man, I love my kid too much to ever discipline them. Uh, the idea of using a rod on my child is just, that's an evil thing, I could, never, I could never bring myself to do that, I love them too much. The Bible says no, you actually hate your kid because you're picking what they want over what the Lord commands over their life. He that spareth his rod hateth his son. I can't discipline my kid because I love him too much. No you don't, you don't love them enough to give them what they need. So let me give you an example. Okay, this, is, this, is a, this, is, this would be a dramatic example, but bear with me. Let's say your kid broke, let's say your kid broke their leg. <laughs> I mean, it, it, you know, it comes down here and then it kinda does this, okay? The, the leg is broke. And uh, you know, you're out camping, you walked out two days, I mean, you have to set the leg. But every time you get near to the leg, they start screaming. What are you gonna do? Oh, I love you too much than to ever hurt you in this way, I just don't want, there's something really wrong in your life, but you don't want me doing anything about it, and so I'm just gonna leave you be. Are you loving your kid? No, No, what you do is you jam a stick in their mouth and you say, bite down hard! (laughs) (laughs) And then you make them cry, because you love them. Do you see that? Something is dramatically wrong, and to fix it, you're gonna have to hurt them you're not doing it to destroy them, to injure them. You're doing, you're doing it to repair something that is broken. So the broken leg illustration is the best one that I can give you. Um, you know, every time I pick up the rod, my kids start screaming like I'm trying to take their life. Well, you're not trying to take their life. You're trying to fix something that's, that's very wrong in their life. He that loveth them. If you love your son, you chasten him betimes. Uh, there are times when it's time to chasten. Okay, so, so what are we talking about? Well, we need to run our cross-references. Proverbs 3.12 says, For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son whom he delighteth. Well, Hebrews chapter 12 tells you how he does that. So, so is, did I leave that one in your, in your notes? Okay, so Hebrews 12, verse 5. Have you forgotten the exhortation, which speaketh unto you, uh, speaketh unto you as unto children, my son? Despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him? For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth. If you didn't know what chastening leads to, here it is. And scourge, you know what a scourging is? That's, that's typically you're bent over something somewhere, and there's something happening, and it's the, the, the board of correction on some level is being applied to the seed of learning, and okay, so. Scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if you are without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the father of spirits and live? For verily, they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. In other words, we got on their last nerve and so they lit us up. <laughs> so we stopped doing whatever it was that was driving them crazy. They chastened us after their own pleasure, but he, God, for our prophet, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Proverbs 19, verse 18, chasten thy son while there is hope and let not thy soul spare for his crying. says, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. 23.13, withhold not correction from the child. What are we we talking about? Well, we're talking about scourging. For if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. If he can die from from the rod being applied to his backside, you're doing it wrong. You're a monster, not a parent. Okay, again, the assumption here is that the discipline is biblically correct. For if thou beatest him with a rod, he shall not die. 13, uh, 1324. Oh, this is where we're at. I'll put that in as a cross-reference. So nice, we're gonna read it twice. Uh, Proverbs twenty-nine, fifteen: The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Correct thy son, and she give rest uh, he shall give thee rest and yea he shall give delight unto thy soul okay I missed it oh I was going to put in uh, delivering his soul from hell I didn't put that in there somebody look it up and yell it out okay we're missing a cross reference Um, somebody get your app Um, it's the rod that, that I can't believe I left that out so does the Bible promote corporal punishment Wait, wait, wait. One person at a time. Somebody over here has a really loud voice. Proverbs 23, 14. Okay, Proverbs 23, 14. Write that down in, in your notes so we missed that one. Proverbs 23, 14. I got verse 13. I needed one more verse there. You deliver a soul from hell. Okay, so does the Bible teach corporal punishment? Yes or no? Yes. It absolutely does. Uh, does that make us comfortable? Yes or no? <laughs> Okay, so um, I'll, I'll just be blunt. Um, I use the rod on all three of my children. <laughs> the state can come get them if they want. <laughs> I've already raised them. <laughs> uh, corporal punishment. Corporal punishment is legal in the state of Missouri. Uh, I think it is in Kansas too, right? Am I remembering that right? Does anybody, any, any parent in Kansas know state law there in, on the Kansas side? No? Yes? Okay, so, you know, that's something I would want to be aware of. So I'll just give you a a, a few tips. Um, My attitude from the beginning was, I'm gonna raise my kids the way the Bible tells me to, and if the state thinks they can do a better job, well then they can just do that. I'd rather lose my kids in fear of the Lord than Raise a kid that busts hell wide open in fear of my kid. Does that make sense? Uh, now, ha- having said that, how do we biblically discipline our kids? Uh, let me just give you a few cliff notes. As you can see from the cross references, this is going to come up again, and so I want to hit a different theme each time when we come to discipline. Uh, but let me just give you a few things right up front. When you discipline, you want to discipline anytime you see willful disobedience or disrespect. If you see willful disobedience or disrespect, they know better, but they refuse. Um, they do what's right, but they do it emotionally, giving you the middle finger, you know. These are points for discipline. So we, basically, the way we communicated this to our kids was you need to obey the first time every time with a happy heart. And that's what you need to do. Uh, do it quickly, do it with a happy heart. Now it's called discipline, so you never discipline angry. If you're mad at your kid, you are a child and you're not ready to discipline your kid. Go go, take a break and grow up a little bit and then come back. It's called discipline. Um, because we know that there are people who have an agenda, we never called it when we disciplined our kids. What, what did we call it? Consequences. Consequences, but when it was time for the rod, we said what? Discipline. No. <laughs> okay, to her credit, I had to discipline her like three times. I know you said it's time to go to the couch. A it's time times. to go to the couch. That's what we called it. We called it going to the couch. Because that's what most of the parenting world calls time out. Be wise as serpents harmless as doves, brothers and sisters. So, so we're gonna go to the couch. We never called it spanking, we never called it discipline. It, okay, uh, I told you that would be three, go to the couch. Ah, no, if you yell and scream, it'll be four, remember? We talked about that. And I know all the numbers I can count all day. And you, you don't wanna know how many numbers I know. So, so even when it's time to go to the couch, first time, every time, happy heart. So we're gonna go to the couch and it's discipline and this is where we learn to count. This is where we learn multiplication. Uh, Sometimes it started out as two, but there was double infraction, and now we have to learn what two times two is, and that's a bad day. And uh, and then if you're not careful, I mean, you know, it might be two times two times two, man. I mean, I know all, I mean, I got a math degree. I know the big numbers with the little numbers behind, I mean, don't go, okay, so our kids got that real quick because when the person with the agenda says, what happens when you get in trouble with mommy or daddy? Our kids would say, we go to the couch. Um, so for whatever that's worth. Now we weren't trusting in that. What we were trusting in is that we were gonna raise our kids the way the Bible told us to. The Bible says use a rod. Never lay your hands on your kid in anger. You will not find that in scripture, so don't do it. As a matter of fact, Dad, well, mom, too, mom, you know, mom's got a little hand, and she's mad, and so she just really lays in there, and she's using way too much force. Same thing with dad. Dad's got a big hand. Um, don't lay your hands on your kids. You won't find that in Scripture. The Bible says use a rod, and a good rule of thumb would be just get a rod the size of their finger, uh, like a little dial rod. Uh, it's a rod. It's it's biblical. It's what the Bible tells you to use, and and uh, it's amazing. Uh, like you don't even have to work at it. It's just okay. It will break, that thing, that little stick will break before you can ever do damage to their body. Do you see that? Uh, we never, there was, we, don't, we didn't pull the pants down. There's always a little layer, but that, I mean, that, just that right there centers the attention of, an, of, a, of a four-year-old individual like nothing else. You wouldn't listen to me, but now I've got your full attention. <laughs> And we're able to actually process through everything that went wrong and, and talk about how we can make sure everything's gonna go right moving forward. So we're not disciplining angry. We're not, use, we're not getting creative. Don't, don't discipline your kid with, with big wooden spoons or, or, um, or a glue stick. You get, you get that a glue stick is a, is a lethal weapon, man. I mean, that's like a, the worst kind of whip you could ever use. Um, you want a rod because that will break before anything on the child breaks. Does that make sense? But it is fire, (laughs) okay, it is an attention getter. Um, So just use what the Bible told you to use, never use your hand, hands are for care and love. Does that make sense? Okay, so we're gonna keep coming back to this subject, as you can see in Proverbs because this is how you deliver, this is what the Bible says will deliver a kid's soul from hell and we all want that. So we don't want to ever abuse our children. We want the discipline to be done with discipline. Uh, We want it to accomplish what what the Bible says it accomplishes as we go through this and we look at these other passages. We're gonna see that it actually resets the way a kid thinks and they're able to actually move forward in obedience, but most importantly in faith. Uh, my point to my kids, uh, with the boys, I had to discipline them a couple times. Um, you know, past eight. Uh, at the end of the day, I mean, this work of discipline should correction, right? Using the rod, it ought to be over by five. They ought to know right from wrong. They ought to want. They ought to, They ought to. Ha- their want to should be set to doing what's right. The first time, every time, with a happy heart, there will be lapses in judgment and <laughs> points of correction. But you want to get your kid to the place where they know the difference between right and wrong, where their their spirit, right, their spirit isn't broken. Okay, we're not talking about that. Okay, their spirit's thriving, but their will is broken. Their will is submitted, and uh, and, and 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 with that, you then reformed it and you've shaped it so that they're not self-willed. No, Now they're want to is set to, I want to be a mighty man or a mighty woman of God. I had a big lapse of judgment. We all agree. <laughs> okay, at the point where you can now reckon with your kid, well, you're not using the rod anymore. Uh, you're training up your child in the way that they should go. Do you see the difference? Uh, so i tell, you know, have to tell a kid that's, I think he was maybe 12, like, dude, are you kidding me? I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta use the rod on, you're 12 years old. This is crazy. Like, I mean, you knew this was coming. This should have been done by the time you were five. I mean, there are three-year-olds that get this. Okay, so anyway, that's a, you don't wanna rant and rave too much, but you wanna, make, you wanna get the point across. I don't want to do this. I want us to come and reason together. And though your sins be as scarlet, if there's a repentance, right? There'll be reconciliation, right? You, th- this can be made white as snow. You can move forward in faith. You can do the right thing. So parenting is all about getting your kid to the place where you can train them up in the way that they should go. And so we'll be looking at that over the, the, the weeks to come as discipline comes up in Proverbs. So what we've started with, we started with the hard stuff first. Does this make sense? This is what the Bible says. I, I know that it works. Um, I've, I've waited 20 years to be able to teach on this because the proof is in the pudding. None of my kids are perfect, but all three of my kids, their want to is set to they want to do what's right before the Lord. None of us are perfect. I didn't parent them perfectly, but in faith, there was discipline and we used the rod. Okay, real quick 25. Sustenance, we're back to sustenance. The righteous eateth to the satisfying of his soul, but the belly of the wicked shall want. Give you the cross-references there. Basically, the promise is God will supply his people. That's always the promise, he supplies his people. So get this down in your notes, eat to live. Don't live to eat. Okay, that's a tough thing to learn sometimes. I go through cycles of it, Um, and I'll catch myself, you know, I'll catch myself, I'm hungry. Oh, well that means I can go eat. Well, not necessarily. Have you had 2,000 calories today, Miles? Yeah, but I'm hungry. <laughs> and then I just go eat, and before I know it, I've crossed 200 and I'm on my way to 250, man. I mean, what in the world? And so, so what do I do? Well, Proverbs tells me, put a knife to thy throat if thou be a man given to appetite. <laughs> the biblical position is, is you, don't, you don't need to eat what you want. You eat what you should, and if you're given to appetite, you just need to learn to be hungry. Does that make sense? If you look, if you look in the mirror, and and you're a dude, but you look like you're in your second trimester, uh, you know, it, it's probably time to lay off the the buffets, you know. Yeah, but I'm just so hungry all the time. It's because you're eating yourself to death. Just. Just learn to be hungry. Put a knife to your throat. Here's the difference, learn contentment. And, and it is easy, okay? You can learn to be hungry. Paul says, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith, with that state, therewith to be content. I know how, both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry. Eat what you should, eat what you need, but then you don't have to eat what you want. You can be hungry both to abound and to suffer need, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Uh, you're a shepherd, you're a, you're, a, you're, a, you're a mom, you're a dad, uh, you're a brother, you're a sister, you're a co-worker, uh, you're a ministry leader, you're a steward, and it's required of stewards that a man be found faithful. You don't get to do what you want. Uh, do what the Lord commands you to do and you'll be blessed. Father, I pray, I pray your blessing on my brothers and sisters. Lord, help us to get full of faith. God, we want to live your way. We want to live what your word says and we don't have to like it all. We don't even have to be comfortable with everything, Uh, but it is the place of blessing. It is the place of fruitfulness. It is the place of your favor and so God, I, I just ask that you give my brothers and sisters eyes to see and hearts to receive your word that they would use wisdom in how they train up their children, wisdom in how they relate to you and to one another, wisdom in how they carry out the life that you've called them to. Lord, be glorified in your people. In this place, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.